0: Can you have a trademark that might make you guilty of false advertising? What's the difference between false advertising and puffery? Well, today, we're gonna run through our top 20 most mind-blowing, amazing false advertising cases. Now, was that false advertising or puffer? We'll find out. This is Stuff You Should Know About IP. Today's episode of Stuff You Should Know About IP is brought to you by The Trademark Lawyer Magazine. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on in the world of IP and trademarks, go to www.trademarklawyermagazine.com. Each issue is free to read for up to eight weeks. That's trademarklawyermagazine.com for global news in the world of trademarks. All right, Tom, so was I Was it false advertising or was I puffing? Was I doing puffery? Yeah, you were puffing. You
1: were definitely puffing on that case, saying it's the most mind-blowing case examples (laughs) of false advertising and trademark. That's probably puffery, right? Because typically, you know, the question is, is it puffery or is it false advertising a lot? And, And usually it comes down to how specific are you? Like if you say this is the world's greatest pizza or if you say we have surveyed 500 people and we've compared our pizza to every other pizza and 386 of those people have agreed that ours is the best now we're into the world of false advertising if that's not true or like daily supplements these will make you feel great versus (laughs) you will feel 30 percent better we know that because scientific studies show that You know, so the difference between puffery and and it's 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 not a, a hard line. It's like a fuzzy line because when they think about that, or more importantly, when they examine that at the court level, they'll also look at your other advertising and your other words that go around it to see whether or not you're actually making a claim, a factual claim, or you're just boasting and puffing. Essentially, we at Executive IP we have the world's greatest training videos. Puffery at executive IFP, our training videos have been proven, scientifically proven, to increase your knowledge about this topic by 40%. False advertising. I was gonna say false advertising. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. right, right. Anecdotally, people say they're they're really good. Yeah, but you're right. So so the reason I wanted to chat about this today is so I teach this class at the EPFL in switzerland it's an executive mba school and normally i go there for it but because of the pandemic i've been doing it on zoom and a couple of the students had a really some good questions about can a trademark be false advertising so you have your trademark which is the identification of the source or origin of your product right but can it be false advertising Uh, the exact example example Yeah, they they said the example was Swiss labs. And the guy said, you know, the Swiss labs, is that legal because they're actually in France? And I was like, wow, I didn't know that. I (laughs) thought they were in Switzerland. Now I did a little research on it. And actually, it used to be called the French-Swiss-Laubstadt Labs, and it was in France, okay? So that was in 2000. And they make these um, chromatography materials for labs in switzerland okay so it's the french swiss labs and then in 2010 they moved to basel in switzerland and they switched their name to swiss labs so actually that's not false advertising right because it was the french swiss labs they made the products in france they sold them to chromatography labs in switzerland that's cool And then when they moved to Basel in Switzerland, they became Swiss lab. So, but, but that got me thinking about another famous Swiss mark, which is Swiss Miss, which I grew up with. Yeah. In fact, Swiss Miss started the same year I was born, 1963. Hot chocolate, right? Hot chocolate. What do you mean, hot chocolate, right? Of course it's hot chocolate. Come on,
0: right. You're a big hot chocolate guy. I I am.
1: That's I've never been right, too into it. I mean, I like
0: it. Don't get me wrong.
1: Listen, that's my replacement for coffee because I've never had a cup of coffee in my life. But I'm anyway,
0: we, so that's just amazingly mind-blowing. Yeah. Okay. Anyone who's listening right now, I know this is not like a, about us in this podcast, but <laughs> how do you go your whole life having never having a cup of coffee? All right. Don't answer that question. Okay. Right, move on.
1: <laughs> okay. So anyway, Swiss Miss, I was thinking, what about that? To me, that is more in the area of false advertising because Swiss Miss has nothing to do with Switzerland, right? In fact, so I did a little research on Swiss Miss and it was founded in the 1950s. Somebody named Anthony Sana, who started a company called Sana Dairies in Wisconsin. He and his son started Swiss Miss and there was an advertisement in 1963 uh no, I'm sorry there was a news article in 1963 that said the chocolate flavor developed by Sana dairies is reminiscent of Swiss Miss Ch- or Swiss milk chocolate okay so they actually have people talking about how it's reminiscent of Swiss milk chocolate and you know the Swiss are known for their chocolate right right yeah so to me to call your company Swiss Miss is really pushing the Toward the edge of whether it's false advertising. Yeah. I grew up, and they even have a woman on the on the box. At least when I was a little kid, and I thought she was Swiss. You know, she's. You know, I just just she's I the thought Swiss this is Swiss. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so to me, Swiss Labs is totally fine. Swiss Miss, which by the way is now owned by Conagra Foods, that one would have been false advertising. It seems to me because it's deceptive. So in the US there's a thing called the Lanham Act. And the Lanham Act essentially governs the federal trademark stuff, right? And there are rules that you can't have deceptive trademarks. They can't be, you know, which are false advertising, right? And and the PTO, the United States Patent and Trademark Office will actually reject marks because they are Uh, deceptive they they give the false impression they're false advertising right so i'll give a few examples like you mentioned we're going to do the 20 most mind-blowing ones some of these i can't even really pronounce so i'm going to do the ones i can pronounce first okay so here's a case um for mylanta nighttime strength okay mylanta nighttime strength that's the trademark so the third circuit granted. A preliminary or affirmed a grant of a preliminary injunction against the mark because the mark necessarily implies a false message that over the counter heartburn product was specifically formulated for nighttime relief or that the product provided all night relief, which it didn't. Hmm. So, My Lantern Nighttime Strength got banged by the Third Circuit because they were false advertisers. Another one is good as Breath Assure, okay? The Third Circuit again, they granted a they affirmed the grant of a preliminary injunction. They held that the product name deceptively assured its users that they would have fresh breath after using the product, despite having no scientific substantiation to support that assurance. Right. To me, though, if I'm thinking about it like puffery versus versus um false advertising, yeah. it seems like breath assure. Uh, that's more puffery, right? I mean, no one that buys breath is going to think that it's anything more than, like, gum or Altoids or yeah, something, I mean, right? I
0: mean, I don't know what other people think. I can only speak for myself. Right. I mean, I, you know, you're, you're big on oral hygiene and so am I. Yeah. And, like, brushing our teeth regularly, I use mouthwash and floss and all this stuff. Nothing... Can ever fully prevent you or right. provide you the assurance that you'll never have bad breath? Right,
1: right, exactly. I know
0: the only people we who all
1: know that right?
0: don't have bad breath are people who ever are people who are paranoid about having bad breath. Right,
1: but breath assure. I don't know. I mean, that doesn't seem like it crosses the line to me. But the Third Circuit disagrees with me on so that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so let's do another one. Uh, let's see. America's favorite pasta. What do you think? Is that Puffer. the 8th Circuit, uh, U.S. 8th Circuit Court dealt with that slogan, America's favorite pasta. Puffer. What do you think?
0: I mean, Puffer. well, yeah, because I it's not, it's like uh, I used to live in New York City. There's all these um, little diners and, and, and cafes that say best cup of coffee in New York. Right. Like, yeah. Even, well, you, like, you know, I, no one believes that.
1: Right. <laughs> you, you, and the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals have that in common because they also said it was non-actionable puffery. Okay. So you were right. I mean, if they're right, you're right. But I agree with you. Right. right? Okay. What about there was a uh, an action against a trademark barbecue beans. Now the trade the product has three types of
0: beans, but no meat. Do they use a barbecue sauce? Yes. So, is their barbecue flavored beans?
1: Yeah, exactly. So the court, the court said I don't it's not the same.
0: Yeah, I was to say I don't even think that's even possible. Well, the
1: claim against them was that barbecue is meat.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. Here's what I want to know: Who was upset enough about this? Oh, that, oh, yeah. They're, oh, they're yeah, yeah. The court we get, in the first place.
1: Wait, We've got one trademark coming up that you're going to ask that same question. Who was upset about this? But this isn't the one. The next one is Tito's Handmade Vodka. The argument is they don't make it by hand. It's made with a machine. Is that deceptive or not? This went to the. Oh, it's a class action. Oh, it's pending. It's a pending consumer class action. So I don't know the outcome yet. What do you think the outcome will be? Tito's handmade vodka. The argument is that it's not made by hand, but rather through a mechanized process.
0: I mean, I got to say, I think I think it'd be pretty, unless you were buying it from like your cousin who made it in their barn, I don't think anyone would like go to a lick, a liquor store thinking they were buying vodka that was handmade. I don't either, especially Tito's, which is a well-known brand. Like to me, that's just sort of like, a oh, it's like, you know, a home style recipe that we made. And that's how I would interpret the handmade part, you know, but. But
1: then the other side of it, the other side I'd say is, wait, that's bullshit. You can't say it's handmade. You're using, it's mechanized.
0: I guess, yeah. I mean, it's if it's not, well, what, some part, is some part of the process handmade?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't even drink vodka but uh, much less naked, but... um,
0: And and I got to say, by the way, I do, like, if I, I don't, I'm not a big drinker, but if I drink, I'll, like, I'll have a vodka drink yeah, some kind, and um, I wouldn't choose my vodka based on whether or not it was handmade, like, ever.
1: Right, yeah, (laughs) because you're probably someone who might order a vodka drink in a bar versus going to the liquor store and buying a bottle of vodka, right? Right. Yeah. but if you were the kind of person who went to a bar to buy a bottle of vodka and you saw like i don't know what's another kind of vodka um this is really bad we don't know anything about alcohol
0: okay well i, I do know something about vodka and i know it because of a of an npr uh uh it was like a recording a podcast gray goose yes that's another did vodka. This thing on gray goose and um and basically the 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 premise was or the conclusion was because of the way vodka is regulated it's all the same yeah
1: right it's yes. all basically That's the right. same
0: because of all the ways you can make it there's like a right. limited number of ways you can make it and so the difference between gray goose and you know like a like a seven dollar liter of vodka or something is right. really not all that much
1: yeah by the way i re- i think i heard that thing on npr and i think we Maybe that's one of us told well, the Michael other sent one about it, it, it to me. Our but, colleague Michael but in sent it to me. It us. was Gray Goose. Apparently, the guy who founded Gray Goose, he knew that, right? Yeah. But he wanted it to be all about brand, and he wanted to charge yes. like twice as much as everyone else. Right. And he heard that like vodka made in France was the best in the world, so he set up shop in France. Yeah. And he made, and his whole marketing plan was charged twice as much as everybody else that was his marketing plan and he could say that it was made in but it that's works. also that would be that would be false advertising if you had like vodka you know like um, French's best or something or France's right. best vodka but you made it in Buffalo New York yeah exactly but Tito's handmade vodka I don't know how that one will go but I don't know they they might have a problem because it's not certainly not handmade when you're at that level right?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Do they, I don't know. Unless there's they could get away with there's some part of the process, you know. Like we 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 crank the levers on the machines with our hands. Yeah, right,
1: right, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, so let's see. Here's another one that's a little bit more complicated. Poly sapphire. The second court held that the mark poly sapphire was factual or facially false as a product name for polycrystalline aluminum oxide, oxide orthodontic bracket. So they said it was just not true. It, it didn't have poly sapphire in it. What is let's it? Let's see. What is, what is. Poly- I guess it was a, uh, it's an orthodontic bracket. So I guess it's like something that goes in your mouth, but I don't know. There's one that, um, let's see. Okay. So let's go to some PTO ones. PTO rejected. Lovey Lamb, L-O-V-E-E, Lamb, L-A-M-B, held deceptive for seat covers not made of lambskin. What do you think? Lovey Lamb.
0: Are they ca- like car seat covers? Or yeah, just seat, seat covers
1: that are not made of lambskin.
0: I guess it would depend on if they were meant to imitate lambskin.
1: Yeah. And, or it's just lovey lamb is like a soft. When I think of a lovey lamb, I think of a soft seat. Right,
0: right. Right. I was almost thinking like, as you're saying the name of some of these, I'm trying to guess what they are. Yes.
1: Yes. Because that goes with the descriptive, suggestive thing. Right. Right.
0: And so for that one, I was expecting like a plush doll for a child or like a car seat for a car. So when you said seat covers, I was like, oh, OK. That makes sense. I don't know why I got car seat. Yeah.
1: Okay, what about white jasmine? White jasmine? It's tea. White jasmine. Hmm. It does not include white tea.
0: False advertising.
1: All right, you agree with the PTO on that. Okay, what about super silk? It's fabric But it's silk like. It's not actually silk. It's clothing. No, it's clothing made from silk like fabric.
0: I think they'd have to have a disclaimer that says it's not silk.
1: Yeah, well, they said it was the PTO said it was, US PTO said it was deceptive. Okay, how about Napa Valley Mustard Co. Mustard, they make mustard, okay? But they don't make it in Napa Valley, California. In fact, they don't make it in Napa Valley Deceptive. Anyway.
0: Because, Deceptive. because, you know, Napa Valley has this, um, it's a nice area. And it has this, like, I would expect it to be like this organic, ex- expensive, frankly, like, but probably good mustard. Like a great Poupon. You know the great yeah. Poupon commercials? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Have <laughs> yeah. I, right, I, right. I would expect Napa Valley mustard to have that connotation.
1: Yeah, so you'd be right. You'd be in alignment with the USPTO on that one. Okay, so recreational vehicles called titanium that do not
0: contain any titanium. A recreational vehicle. So it's like the name of a it's like the name of an RV. Yeah, so imagine it's the name of an RV called titanium, but it's not made out of titanium. To me, that's like, like RV names are like boat names, you know, it could be, well, boat names are, are different, but like in the same, um, in other words, they have nothing to
1: do with what they're made of. No. Right. More about the people than the boats. Right. Except this is not somebody naming their RV. It's the product name for a product line. like What about
0: Denali as a vehicle, like a motor vehicle?
1: Yeah. But it's not from Denali. Right. Right, no, this Chevy I, Colorado. I know. So Chevy your attitude Colorado. is titanium as a product line for RVs is okay.
0: Wait, they said it was
1: okay. No, I'm asking you.
0: Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But I wouldn't expect there to be any titanium in it if I was buying. Right. RV.
1: Right. Well, the USPTO disagrees. They said it was deceptive because it doesn't contain titanium. I agree with you though. It's just a cool name,
0: right?
1: Right? Yeah. And it's a cool name. Titanium's a cool name.
0: Yeah.
1: And there's a song that I think it has the word titanium in it. That's really popular. Okay. I don't know so anyway, I don't know. so there was a there was a a class action, uh, a, a consumer class action filed in the California federal court, alleging that the Diet Coke mark deceived com- consumers into believing that the product would assist in weight loss. How do you think they fared in that?
0: Okay, so first of all, uh, I would love to have either of the major soda companies as customers of ours, but I got to say, I don't drink it at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, but, but if but I- Diet Coke though,
1: their argument is it's deceptive because it gives the impression that you'll lose weight
0: if if I were a drinker of, of like a pop of soda we call it pop up here in Buffalo New York um, I would I would probably uh, my thought would be okay I'll stop drinking Coke and drink diet Coke because it's less calories. Wait, did you say Coke or Pepsi?
1: I said Coke.
0: Coke, Diet Coke, because it's you know it's less calories. Well, so the court less said calories. I'd lose. I could lose weight because I'm consuming right. less.
1: The court said that it's really everybody knows that. That let's see, everybody knows that Diet Coke merely deletes the calories usually present in regular Coke and that the caloric reduction will lead to weight loss only as part of an overall sensible diet and exercise regimen depending upon an individual's metabolism. So you win the award for that one. <laughs> Good job, right? And now I diet, they also sued Diet Dr. Pepper. You know what's so okay. funny
0: about this? It's like the fact that this had to like go through the court system, this one in particular, because doesn't yeah. it just seem like common
1: sense. <laughs> yeah, we're going to... We're gonna do three more and then we'll wrap up. The third one is the one that you're gonna w- wonder about common sense, okay? okay? So the next one is plasma, which was a nutritional supplement. And it was, um, there There was a question of the, it went up to the trademark trial and appeal board as to whether the refusal was acceptable. They refused the mark because it was, uh, it didn't have any plasma product or protein in it it had no plasma protein in it but it's called plasma and it went up to the ttab
0: okay isn't plasma like technically also a state of matter
1: like oh yes right yes i forgot about that yeah like
0: I, I i know the whole plasma blood plasma and all that but right i don't know i don't know about this one i don't have a
1: well, the, the, um, the TTAB affirmed the refusal, saying that it had to have plasma protein in it to use it in diet supplements. And I be, I'm guessing they're pretty sensitive about dietary supplements because those things are always a little sketchy anyway, right?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Okay. So the next that one is sense. the next one is um, so there's a uh, national advertising director or association or something. It's part of the Better Business Bureau. Yeah, or thus, yeah. Better Business Bureau, I think they raised an objection against fungi nail. F U N G I. Is that fungi nail or fungi nail?
0: Fungi. Uh, fungi? What's
1: that? Fungi or fungi? I don't know how you
0: pronounce that word?
1: Yeah, but anyway, so fungi or fungi or fungi nail, toe and foot for. Um, let's see. Oh, because they say that it's saying that it effectively treats toenail fungus, and it doesn't.
0: That's deceptive.
1: That seems deceptive. All right, the final one, and then we'll wrap up. Subway was sued because their foot-long sub wasn't exactly 12 inches. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody must have come out with a ruler when they're eating their tuna sub, which doesn't have real tuna in it. Did you see that article recently? Wait, really? Yeah, by the way, I love Subway tuna subs. I've I know, you get the them all the time. And then there was just a an article that said the subway doesn't actually have tuna in their tuna in their tuna.
0: <laughs> How but do you have a I, tuna sub with no tuna in it? But I guess what you have to it? have
1: like 30% tuna or something and I don't know. But but that's not that's this one. Other this is 70%. the 12 inch. This is the and I'm gonna go have a subway sub today after this meeting because I love subway subs. Wait,
0: hold on a second. It's not it's not like it's like 70% other fish, right? They're not talking about like the mayo and seasoning and stuff.
1: No, other eat. stuff like horse hooves and um no, I'm totally kidding. I don't know what, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Okay. I have no idea what that means. I have no idea what 30% but who cares way, I only heard a footer foot I only heard this from a subway worker. I mean, I read the article and I was goofing around when I went in and I said, hey, can I have a tuna sub or whatever it is that's in there? (laughs) And he immediately started laughing because he had read the article and he said, you know, it's such BS. He said, there's rules and we follow the rules and all this stuff. And I said, look, I don't care what's in it. It tastes good. And I want one. So anyway, I I bought my tuna sub. But anyway, the... So the there, it was settled. It, it was started in the district court. It had original jurisdiction in the federal district court, and it settled. But one of the participants in the class appealed it, and the, let's see, I love the quote from the Seventh Circuit, reversed, stating that the settlement was no better than a racket, because the lawyers got $525,000. It was no better than a racket, and that the case should have been dismissed out of hand. That's what the Seventh Circuit said about the subway foot 12 inch, foot long is battle.
0: it more than a 12 inches or less? How close? Well,
1: is I'm it? guessing it would be less, otherwise the people wouldn't have been complaining.
0: Right. But I don't know. But, when I imagine a foot long, foot long subway sub, it's pretty close to a foot. Yeah. In fact, when I go, I'm
1: gonna bring my ruler and I'm gonna measure <laughs> one. But to me, you know what that's a great example of? Either people don't have enough to do. With their time, right. <laughs> or a lawyer wanted to make some money, and they, uh, apparently they did $525,000. But you um, should
0: go with your tape measure, and then for every inch less than 12, you say to them that you want a refund one dollar via prorate the cost of the sale. One
1: twelfth off, 12. I want one twelfth <laughs> off, exactly. All so, right. anyway. That's the that's the last one we're going to talk about. So that is false advertising, puffery, and trademarks that can be false advertising. I got to say
0: that this is a, one of the most fun topics because you can run through so many examples like this when it comes to intellectual property. And it goes to show properties. you that judges
1: are not infallible. I mean, when you go to court with something like this, it depends a lot on what judge you get. Yeah. Because you and I have a difference of opinion with the patent office and with one of the appellate divisions on different cases, and we're totally you know normal, right? We're yeah. we're fairly smart people, but you don't know what you're going to get. That's the crapshoot of litigation. Yeah, you know some cases are really clear, but a lot of them could go either way.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting. We um, cool. we should come up with some different like cases and situations where I'd love to look at like some famous cases and how they progressed up through courts. You know, yeah, maybe we'll groups. do that on a podcast. Yeah there we go. All right. Next one. All right. So everyone, if you enjoyed learning about the difference between puffery and false advertising and uh, running through all of our top 20, most amazing, incredible (laughs) false advertising and puffery cases, please hit the subscribe button. If you're on YouTube or we're also on all sorts of other platforms now, Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're listening, hit subscribe, hit like, leave us a review share your thoughts, and most importantly, share this podcast with other uh, IP-loving individuals. Uh, So thanks, everyone. See
1: ya.